Today's episode of the Astrolocum Podcast is brought to you by absolutely nobody. I'm starting to figure out that if you do your intros after you record the episode, it makes it a lot, lot, lot easier of a process, especially in editing. Today's episode, I talk about the release of Playboy Cardi's Whole Lot of Red, and I go a little bit into the influence on or a little bit into about how TikTok influences the music industry. So, hope you enjoy. As always, thank you again for listening. Peace. So, Christmas Eve, Playboy Cardi drops his very long-awaited album, Whole Lot of Red. The album that had literally probably uh, been teased since Dilet released in 2018. So we, us Cardi fans, the the real real big Cardi fans have been waiting on this, have been waiting on it for a minute, for a hot minute, even if it's not two years, I'd say probably at least a year and a half or so. Um, and a lot of people because we had been waiting on this album for so long had really started to set a lot of expectations, and some of that is Cardi's fault. Um, I mean with Cardi releasing. And leaking all of those songs because the uh, the label wouldn't put the album out. You know, people had already built up a perception of a whole lot of red. Going to be a lot of baby voice Cardi stuff. Um, a lot of work with um, Pierre, which we've seen in the past from him. Um, and I think the longer Cardi probably sat on the album and waited on it, kind of changed his mind as to what the album wanted to be. But the fans didn't know that. You know, the people on the outside had no idea so the release kind of caught people off guard um but i will say i thoroughly enjoyed whole lot of red it's a good album it's not like what and (laughs) this is different for me i've never really uh publicly like you know i'll get into music discussions with people at work or with some of the homies but I'm not terribly like I'm never like I'm gonna go on Twitter and share my thoughts about someone else's work of art like that. <laughs> this is very uh, uh, different for me. So if you hate it, you hate it. That's okay. I'm just trying to get better. But yeah, I I don't think it was my favorite album ever. I think out of ten, I would probably give it like a seven and a half or an eight. So it's good. It's a passing score for me. It's different for Cardi. It's very experimental. Um, it's pretty evident that the first half of the album is very punk influenced, which I thought was awesome. I thought it was badass. It was something totally different. Cardi's just, you know, talking his shit and he's being a rock star, which he is. Like, if you've seen videos of Playboy Cardi shows, like, there are open pits every single song. People are moshing. People are going crazy. The dude is a, a punk rock star. Like he he is very confident and comfortable in his own skin. Doesn't give a shit about what anybody else has to say about him. And he he's a modern embodiment of of what uh, the punk rock scene is 
and, and used to be. And, and he pays homage to that as well with the cover of the album directly, like his photo being directly referenced to the punk rock magazine, I think of the 70s or 80s slash. Like it's, it's modeled exactly in that style. So just off of that alone, you can could have inferred that oh okay this is dope you know and even die lit like that album is that album cover is crazy like he's back flipping onto or there's somebody flipping on the album into a in a crowd of people the second half of the album if you weren't really into the punk rock aspects of this album is for you um you kind of hit a turning point when you get to Vamp Anthem, which is like the 11th or 12th song. That song is a banger. It's got, it's, it's so fire. It's like Beethoven. The, the beat is Beethoven-esque. Like the chords are very similar to something you'd hear in a, a Beethoven um, orchestrated song. And he just kind of spasmed. He's, he's just going crazy. And then, I mean, after that, you have the two Pierre Bourne beats on the album and, and the outro song, which was, I feel like very slept on. Um, the first time I listened to it, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I was like, "Where, where did this sample come from?" And I was like, "Oh, oh shit! It's a, it's a Bon Iver sample." So he sampled "I Am I" from "I Comma I" um, by Bon Iver. And whoever whoever produced that beat, it, it goes crazy. Cody singing very melodically, and yeah, it was good. Honestly, good album. I feel like I can't say it enough. And it's different. I think that's so important for him. Like, even from his self-titled project to Dial It, like, there was a lot of change and evolution and, and growth as an artist. And I remember listening to Dial It the, the morning it came out. And Twitter was like, ah, this shit trash. This, this album's goofy. It's bad. And then two weeks later, people ended up loving the album. And it's probably going to be the exact same thing. I've already seen public perception changing in regards to a whole lot of red. And it's okay if you don't like it. And there's, I don't have a problem with that. I think my biggest problem with the reaction to a whole lot of red dropping was just how overtly like negative everything was. Like everyone on Twitter was just absolutely dogging the album and Cardi and I was like dog have you even listened to it like the project's been out for 30 minutes you couldn't even listen to the whole thing like everything is so 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 reactionary especially with music now because everybody has a platform and I'm not I'm not you know I feel like yeah contradictory um this is a contradictory statement because I'm saying that but I'm recording this and giving my say on the album, you know, like two weeks after it's dropped. I'm not within half an hour, not even enough time to listen to the whole project, sharing my thoughts and saying, oh, it's dog shit. It's fucking awful. Yeah, there's not even enough time to build a thorough perception of the album. And like it hasn't resonated with you at all. Sure, we can be like, yep. Oh, first listen through like this is fire, you know, but. For anything to uh, concrete to come out of it, I think you need more time, um, which is why the likes of people like Anthony Fantano and um, 
Sean C and oh, what's that other dude's name? Mercurial. Oh yeah, Mercurial number six. Like they give time. They let the album breathe. It has to sit with you. You have to listen to it multiple times to really see if you like it. Because honestly, the first listen to this, I was I listened to half of it. And I was like, oh, yo, I don't know how I really feel about this. And then I listened to it another time, and I was like, oh, actually, I, I do quite enjoy this. And it has been the same after that. Um, but, yeah. And so I think my Stein, my back to the album in general, um, the standout songs for me are Go to the Moon, the Kanye West feature, Vamp Anthem, New Neon, Punk Monk, Place, Over, I love you, I hate you, and feel like dying, which is the Bunny Bear sample. And then just in general, like, what was Cardi going to like do <laughs> in regards to this album that dropped? Like, was he going to drop all these songs that more than likely he purposely leaked? <laughs> like, Pissy Paper, Cancun, and Molly. Like, and they have been out for, like, over a year and a half. Like, for a year and a half. Like, these, things, these, these songs have already been streamed millions of times on... YouTube, SoundCloud, TikTok even, like, people have listened to these songs. Does that mean they're going to, you know, be listened to when the album comes out again? Yeah, maybe. But, I mean, look at Chance the Rapper's Acid Rap numbers. When he put that back out onto uh, Spotify, like, the numbers aren't great, and they still aren't very good. So there's no guarantee that if he were to put those songs on the initial release of Whole Lotta Red that they would do great. Another thing, too, that was very interesting was people critiquing Cardi for working with different producers, um, which I felt like was that is just so goofy to me. Like, do people really not think that he and Pierre have, if not, like... 50s plus songs together like they have full projects ready to go and it's just a matter of whether or not their labels are gonna let them release them like those songs are still there there's still stuff that we haven't heard and that will likely be put out again or not again but at some point more than likely a lot of red was a collection of songs that Cardi had worked on for maybe half a year or so. Went to Wyoming, you know, a month before the song's released to hang with Kanye so Kanye can mix and master the album. Probably made some songs there. And then put it out. Think about who you were a year and a half ago. Think about all the shit that has happened since. I mean, Cardi had a son in that time. And that brings up another topic of Car- Iggy Azalea absolutely I guess just not her the interaction like Cardi drops the album and then the same night which is Christmas Eve she starts like airing him out on Twitter for being a deadbeat dad like playing PS5 instead of being a father to their kid Um, which like Cardi you gotta be I mean come on bro the power of Twitter man power to Iggy Azalea Um, and then like a week after the album dropped, Cardi's hanging out with their son Onyx. So who knows? Maybe Azalea was trying to get her cloud in, and or maybe she was just trying to wake Cardi up, trying to make him a better dad. Um, but yeah, think about who you were a year and a half ago. Like this, that is prior to COVID, 
when all those songs had, had leaked. You're not the same person. Your entire life experiences, you've gone through a whole shit ton of them. You're going to more than likely put out music that's relevant to you, relevant to the things that you've gone through recently, so people can relate. They can learn more about you as an artist, as a person. Cardi's also trying to try new things. He's trying to evolve. He's trying to grow his sound. I mean, we saw that from his self-titled project to Die Lit, which I said before, but although there are elements between those two albums that are similar, they're two completely different albums, and they have two completely different feelings. Two similar at points subject matter, but not entirely. The whole point of being an artist is being able to like be vulnerable enough within yourself to let people into your world whatever part of that world you want to open up and share um with with whoever your audience is there's a lot of power in him doing that and just releasing something and being you know let let the man create and if you do the same thing over and over and over and over again no one's going to listen to it no one's going to care. You're not becoming a better artist. You're just becoming complacent and stagnant. If I were to make a podcast like the first episode I did, just over and over and over again, I wouldn't get any better. I wouldn't learn anything about this 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 thing. It's a lot of practice. It's a lot of repetition, as I said. But unless you're trying new things, you're not actively getting better. And that goes with anything in life. If you want to talk about complacency, look at Kid Cudi's album, man. I think it's 24 songs. And the dude just absolutely crutched on his humming. I mean, probably there were maybe six songs that sounded different from one another. The Pop Smoke feature, the Phoebe Breed Bridgers feature, like two songs in the opening quarter of the album, and like one other in the middle. But aside from that, you just hear Cudi humming. And there's, there's no... I'm sure there's creative and artistic vision behind it. But he's not, like, challenging himself. That project in comparison to Kids See Ghost is so far below it. It's not even It's not even close. Because Cuddy only hummed on, like, two of the seven songs on Kids See Ghost. And Cuddy's dropping 24 songs trying to maximize profit. And they're all long. You know, Cardi's album is... Let me double check. Okay, yeah, the, album, the album is 24 songs, and you have one, two, three, four... Five songs over three minutes. Six songs over three minutes. But they all feel fast, for the most part. I don't know. I just feel like, in comparison, if you're going to compare albums that have 24 songs, I'd rather listen to something that has... I'd rather listen to something that is the artist challenging themselves and doing something different, doing something they've never really done before, rather than the same humming... That is great. I love Kid Cudi's hums, but I can't listen to it for 18 songs. So, And it's not like Baby Voice Cardi won't be back. And it's not like he's n- never going to work with Pierre Born again. Just the songs he put on this project fit the bill for what he wanted Whole Lotta Red to be. A punk album. Wanted to fully embody that rock star persona. By no means is Whole Lotta Red a classic. It's not even in my top 25 you know, albums of all time. But I have got no problem 
with Cardi putting himself out there and trying something different with this album. There's absolutely no shame in that. It can only be applauded. In terms of public perception, the album isn't bad because it's a low-quality, shitty album. It's bad because it didn't reach the same expectations that his fans, who, let me remind you, have zero say in what goes on the album, set for it. I think another thing that was very interesting in regards to just the release in general was the absolute genius and brilliance of Mario Judah and his team and the two drops that Mario Judah made um, in which he is mocking question mark mocking question mark I don't know what you would really call it the baby voice Cardi style and those songs are bangers absolutely so I mean when Cardi doesn't drop it uh, you know two consecutive weeks up to the release and doesn't announce it Marty Jun and his team hop on that. They're like, we'll drop it for you. And they just drop their own version of it. Absolutely genius. Not to mention Mario Judah, who's like one of the biggest winners of 2020, has blown up and gone crazy. But, I mean, that's a different sound for him. So who's going to knock him for that? And he's he's doing he's doing the Cardi thing. And it worked so well. My entire Twitter timeline worked for, or uh, was talking about Mario Judah for days. But I think that also set expectations like, damn, well, for Cardi. They set expectations for Cardi. But like, damn, if Mario Judah's going to drop this and it's baby voice and it's very good, Cardi's needs to be on that level. You know what I mean? And then there wasn't even very much baby voice Cardi stuff. So it was, just, yeah, very difficult, very tricky situation. But I'm happy for Cardi. I like the album. So I also want to just talk about like TikTok and kind of the state of online music culture very briefly um not gonna go crazy in depth with it but like don't let these kids on tiktok and not even kids just people not gonna be ages here don't let people on tiktok and twitter tell you what you cannot or can enjoy those two communities are, and what the communities within them are, gatekeepers. Like, there's so much gatekeeping, kipping, <laughs> there's so much gatekeeping going on in, in, in online communities right now, man. And it sucks. It's awful. From anything to skateboarding, bro, to music, to fashion. Like the art and all those is that it's an, uh, a medium for people to express themselves. And, and there's nothing but gatekeeping going on. But don't let those people tell you what you can or cannot enjoy. And in regards to music, you can say the same thing for people like Anthony Fantano, Sean C., and that British dude, Mercurial Number 6. Um... Don't let them tell you what you can or cannot enjoy. I mean, there have been a number of album reviews by Fantano that I completely disagree with. And they've helped me form and articulate opinions on things. But I've never once let him dictate what I listen to or cannot listen to. Think for yourself. Like, it's pretty important. And use those as resources and use those as tools to figure out what it is you do and don't like about things and to form opinions, but don't let them be the opinions you regurgitate to people or online or 
be the opinions that dictate your every move in terms of music. Use them as places for insight, for things like that, to learn and become better. There was this Drake quote that was very interesting to me, which I'm, I'm going to play here. And it was a TikTok in reference to uh, just Playboard Cardi fans in general. And uh, I feel like it, it, it felt relevant, is what I'll say. The, the album will drop in at 12.01, trash, trash, trash bins. You know, I think people are more more excited about, you know, being top comment than actually really taking an album and listening. But inevitably, you need music in your life. So then two, three weeks passes and you get an honest gauge on what you just surrendered I to people. So I hope I articulated that uh, earlier. But he's very right, man. There's, you know... So much reaction, so much reaction, and it's not at all ever coming from a good place. Um, and it's people just trying to benefit themselves, trying to ratio people on Twitter or, you know, shit like that. And it, it's just kind of toxic, honestly. It just kind of sucks. Because then it's just, you know, there's nothing worth substance online, and ugh, it's just gross. Sorry. But social media is now gaining a really like you know drake's talking about it there but it's gaining a very very interesting role in the music industry um it as a tool and the multiple platforms used is becoming like a make or break system for many artists you know tiktok and even places like instagram and twitter can become like a career starter for some for some people um, you know, you can have a snippet of a song blow up and then next thing you know, you have hundreds of thousands of people in your comments waiting for you to drop it. You drop the song and you're a one hit wonder or you build a good body of work. I mean, all you need is just the one stroke of luck to really blow up. Um, and I mean, at the same time, it goes the opposite. I mean, there are a lot of artists who are trying to transition to make short form comment content and it is a challenge for them and they're not doing the numbers that they should be and aren't being aren't lucky enough or aren't being able to utilize um these new tools um to the best of their abilities so it's a tough it was it's already a tough industry um, but social media is making it a lot tougher tiktok in general has become just immensely and dangerously powerful um i talked with an artist um I guess it's like off record. Here's a little journalism tidbit for you guys. As a journalism student, um, I have talked with a artist off the record. So technically, I can't name him, but I can talk about the event, I believe. But no one's really going to listen to this. So I was talking to my boy Healy <laughs> on Instagram. Um, he posted like uh, one of his songs hitting 30 million streams on Spotify and I was like yo like that is crazy like what happened he's like bro it was TikTok so I guess Charlie D'Amelio made a song made a, a, a dance or a video to one of his songs on like a Friday and in that span between Saturday and Sunday his song gained like 3 million streams which is just absolutely bonkers um, and this other artist that I've been following for almost two years now, two and a half years. Um, Soli had, uh, I'd follow him on 
TikTok um, earlier this year when he was really just kind of uh, starting to make TikToks. And he's been, he's a fairly popular musician. Um, some of his songs have millions and millions of plays on, on Spotify. Um, but he slowly gathered and built up a following on there. And he posted a snippet of some song that he had made, you know, a couple weeks ago. And like the snippet was maybe 15 seconds long. That TikTok blows up. 100 plus thousand likes on TikTok. It goes crazy. People are begging for it in the comments. And then all of a sudden he gets a Mac Airs feature and then they put it out together and it already has, you know, X amount of streams on Spotify. Um, and just aside from that, his streams have grown on Spotify massively since he started to utilize and, and benefit from his utilization of TikTok. So for a lot of these artists who are able to use it correctly and use it smartly, like it's one heck, one heck of a tool. Um, like I said earlier, it's kickstarting people's careers. I don't know if it's for the better or for worse. Um, like Curtis Waters, that kid who released that stunning song. Song's a bop. Cannot deny it. Song bangs. It's very good. Very good TikTok song. Very good song in general. But I don't know if any of you guys have listened to his other songs. They are not very good. One hit wonder. I think that's what we're going to see a lot of these these TikTok artists become. Um, this kid Jack Case. I, I have a lot of hope and a lot of faith and a lot of, yeah, I guess hope that um, Jack Case works out. He's a singer-songwriter, guitarist, guitar player. <laughs> I don't know where he's from. Um, but he dropped two songs that I felt like were actually pretty good. However, you can just tell by the way he plays guitar. Um, he's just kind of limited. Um, there's not a lot of talent there. But hey, now that he's signed to a deal, and that kid Curtis Waters also signed to a deal as well before and after releasing that song. Um, you know gets the right people around him and he becomes some Tempsey Hope uh, another kid who I think can make it if he follows uh, the pop rap kind of thing he hasn't really had a song blow up yet but he had TikToks blow up and then Sony Music ended up signing him and then he bought a Tesla just off a of TikTok like just off of a TikTok this kid blew up and got a Tesla and a record deal but a lot of these kids are going to fall trapped to the to the music industry and to two record deals and not owning their masters. So that'll be something very interesting to watch. Um, Illusion, who's kind of like an electronic music dude. Um, he's talented for sure. Uh, his remixes have blown up on TikTok a few times. But a lot of these kids are just getting signed to deals really early on before they know what they want to be as artists. Like, some of the first songs they're ever putting out are now have uh, millions of plays on Spotify, so there's this immense pressure on them now. They don't own any of their music technically anymore. They probably aren't investing or saving this money that they're getting in their record deals. So I would love for them to all make it because <laughs> how cool, you know, like all these TikTok kids blow up, get record deals. It's like the American dream, but I don't know how many of them are going to make it, and it's going to be kind of sad. Um, yeah, and I guess really a lot of this influence that TikTok has gained in the music industry stems from COVID. Um, like labels couldn't go to festivals like South by Southwest or Coachella and see smaller acts perform, or I don't even know how many of those acts are typically, um, signed or not. 
but I mean, they couldn't go anywhere. There's nowhere to, to see live music and to stumble upon new music. So TikTok, this platform, while everyone is stuck at home making TikToks, labels just used it to their advantage and just were able to be like, okay, cool. Yep, this kid's talented. Sign him up. Boom. We got him. Snag him. Um, just became a really easy and good tool for the music industry, um, for labels specifically as well, on top of artists. So... It'll be interesting to see, um, you know, if things start to open up again, if people are going to go as viral on TikTok for their music, or, you know, are labels going to continue to uh, scalp, uh, you know, kids off TikToks and and hunt them down and to stay on the prowl? I don't know. It's going to be very interesting. And I would say, if you do have a TikTok, um, are very invested in music, uh, check out the boy, mostly music. Um Started following him when he probably had about 10k followers. He's up to to 200k now. He, a lot of his content is similar to Volksgeist on YouTube, who does video essays on artists. Um, but he's a really dope dude. He's like the indie complex, the solo pitchfork, the <laughs> solo and less pretentious pigeons and planes. Um, so he kind of does you know artists you need to be prepared for artists on the rise video essays short form video essays on artists that are blowing up or in the spotlight so yeah really cool dude so another great benefit of editing your podcasts after you record them you can also not only record the intros but the outros to them as well thank you if you made it all the way through this one a little bit longer than the first one but still not too crazy long Got a little bit off topic there at the end, um, but I feel like it's a good experience, good chance to learn from something that I've done. Um, Not going to record another podcast. I should have another one out before the weekend. But yeah, hope you enjoyed. Let me know what you thought, and I'll catch you on the next one. Peace.